Mac Power Users, Episode 70, Automator Workflows. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you, David? Very well, thank you. And this is a show that we've been excited about doing for a couple of months now, really, and that is getting more into Automator, more into automation, and more into how to make your Mac do things for you kind of by itself. Yes. Yes, this is the second in our series. We started with the Keyboard Maestro show. And uh, for this one, I wanted to bring in somebody who is an Automator pro, and I couldn't think of anybody better than Ben Waldy. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Ben is the, um, he has a website called Automated Workflows. And uh, I first became aware of you when I bought your book, um, Automator for Leopard, I believe it was. Autom- what was it? Visual Quick Start Guide, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben is, a, you know, he's a automation hotshot for the Mac, really. I think you're the guy, Ben. I mean, uh, he did the, can I say that you did the stuff for Microsoft? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so all the Automator uh, actions when you buy Microsoft Office, Ben wrote those. Um, and you've done some for some of the other big developers on the Mac platform as well, right? Um, I the only I think the only uh, actions that I've developed for actual companies are the Microsoft Actions. I, th- I think there were about ninety of them for Word, uh, PowerPoint, uh, Excel, and Outlook. And yeah. then I've done a number of other actions that I've released myself for the Adobe applications and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you so you've made stuff for Adobe, stuff for the Microsoft. Um, sweet. And you even have your own stuff on the App Store. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I've always felt, Ben, that, you know, right next to Sal Segoyan, you're the guy for well, Apple Script and Automator. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> Good compliment. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the challenge with the show is because we want to talk about Automator. I think there's a lot of people out there listening. And there'll be some people right now who are reaching for the dial because they're going to say, I don't even know what Automator is, so I don't care. And well, would, yeah, don't turn the dial yet. Give us a few minutes. Yeah, I really would encourage those people to listen on because. Even if you don't have a lick of programming knowledge, Automator is for you. And uh, the, but the challenge here is we're on an audio podcast. It's not a screencast. So we've got to kind of get the idea across about what you can and can't do with this and how to learn about it. And uh, I thought there was you know, no better guy than Ben to kind of get us there. So, so let's just start talking about Automator. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? Um, Automator is an application that, um, you know, you can find it in your applications folder. Um, it was initially released with Mac OS 10 for Tiger. And, uh, the idea of it is to allow basically anybody to start automating some simple tasks on their Mac. Um, so, uh, you do that by building what's called a workflow and a workflow is a series of connected steps, um, that you piece together using something called actions. And, um, Automator comes with a, a few hundred actions for doing different things. Apple gives you these to do things like some text manipulation and uh, things in email, maybe some stuff with address book and iCal and stuff like that. And then you can start automating some of these things that you do on a daily basis. Um, and it's, it's, it's designed to be very user-friendly and easy to use and uh, to appeal to the masses so that anybody, you know, can just go start automating things on their Mac. Um, and and it is relatively easy to use, but I think what people find when they start to use it is that uh, it does have a little bit of a learning curve, and it 
it does take a little bit of time to master. Um, and some of that is just due to it maybe not being quite as simple as, as people think it is, uh, but also maybe due to some limitations and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've always kind of equated it to Lego bricks where uh, you have all these different Legos and you just stack them up on top of each other. And each one does a different task. As an example, you can have an automator action that will grab a file. So you, you put that in and then it, it will grab a file out of your finder. Mm-hmm. Then the next one, let's say the file's an image, it'll change the format of the image to, you know, from PNG to JPEG. And that's another Lego brick. And the next thing you want to do is you want to make it, you know, 500 pixels wide instead of whatever it is. And that's another action. So you just stack these things up, three or four of these in a row. And once you're done, it does that for you automatically. And you create either a little program or a service where you can then repeatedly perform that action on files on your Mac without having to go through the steps of opening an image editor, resizing it, changing the format. All that stuff just happens with one click. And um, that's what it is. And it really is not difficult to do. I think Ben's right. There is a bit of a learning curve just to figure it out. But if you listen to the show and you go to some of the additional resources we're going to point you to, anybody can do this. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's almost a little bit like that game Mousetrap, uh, Mousetrap maybe too, David. You remember when you were kids, there was that game where you had to take the marble and you had to spin it down and you had to go and you had to flip the lever and the lever flipped up and then it dropped this this little thing down. So every step of the way, though, you do have to test your automator workflow and see, you know, okay, is it getting hung up here? And if so, why? And then go back and tweak it. And, and I think that's a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. I just built the Mousetrap. I never played the game. that's what i did i was impatient (laughs) well i was just going to say i I think another uh another thing that that kind of throws people off a little bit when it comes to automator is that um i think sometimes people have a hard time figuring out what they want to automate and how to break that down into steps um i think people don't always see something as as a time-consuming repetitive task that they should look at automating um you know, they're, they're not quite sure what kinds of things they should automate. Um, so I think that that's another area that, that kind of throws people off. They're not, they're not quite sure where to get started, you know. What, what, should, what should I try to tackle first? And that's something we can talk about right here to kind of get people going because there's, there's a lot you can do with this thing. I, you know, I love it because, you know, I play with Xcode, but I'm no programmer. You know, I'm a, I pretend to be. I play with it. But I really feel like I can accomplish a lot with Automator. And, you know, to make it so simple, it's actually pretty complex under the hood. I mean, these actions that you get in Automator are really each a mini program. So what you're doing is stacking pre-existing mini programs to do whatever you need. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these these little mini programs they they talk to each other, so they they take information and pass it from one to the next. So you can build this workflow where information like files are passed from one little action program to the next program for processing, you know, as the next step in the line, kind of like an assembly line. Yeah. Why should the average Mac user who has never really gone, you know, opened that little robot icon in their applications folder, never really dived into the world of automation is perfectly happy with the experience on their Mac as is. Why should they upset the apple cart now and start digging into automation? What, what can automator do for them? Um, I mean, it can do a lot of simple things um, that p- maybe people don't realize are time-consuming or um, prone to mistakes. Uh, things like maybe even just adding the date and time to a bunch of files. 
uh, stuff like that, you know, it's, it's kind of a monotonous, boring task that, that nobody wants to do manually. Uh, and you can sit there and, and do it to 10 files. Uh, but you can also just build an automator workflow in a few seconds that will do that for you. Um, also, I, I find that, that once people start, again, it, it kind of comes back to, I think people don't quite understand what these tools can do for them. And once they see the benefit of it, so they build their first workflow and they see how it works. And then a lot of times they're kind of blown away and want to start using it more and more to do more stuff. Um, but other things that, that average people might want to use it for are things like manipulating images. Um, so maybe you want to email out a bunch of image files um, and you don't feel like opening them up in iPhoto and scaling them and doing things like that. You might create a little automator workflow to help with that kind of stuff. Um, so a- anything that you might do on a, on a regular basis over and over again, uh, or even just to kind of learn more about what your Mac can do for you. you know, put, put your computer to work for you. That's what it's there for. Give you more time back in your day. It's really empowering to me, and maybe it's just I'm a weirdo, but the idea that I can control how my Mac works, I mean, that workflow I described earlier about taking an image, changing the format, and resizing it is a service that I have on, I created on my Mac, and whenever I post something to Mac Sparky and I want a fixed image of a fixed width, I just run that service, and it does it for me. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've over the years, I've kind of modified it. Now I've got a, a thing where it queries me, and I give it a file name. So I can rename the file at the same time. And uh, I just feel like I'm such a, you know, a, a pro every time I do it, you know, even though it's silly, uh, mm-hmm. makes me feel great. So I, I love, I love the idea of controlling how things work on my Mac. I bet there's a lot of listeners out there that feel the same way. So, um, yeah, I really recommend it. So let's talk about what the limits are. I mean, what can and can't you do with an automator workflow? Well, the first thing to keep in mind is that automator is designed for, relatively basic tasks. So you're not going to go build a really complicated automator workflow. There's, don't get me wrong. I've actually seen some people who have created pretty complex, complex, complicated workflows. Um, but those workflows are, you know, dozens of actions long and they do really get very complicated and confusing. Um, but so for the most part though, you're not going to create really complex stuff. Uh, you're not going to build, for example, a workflow that, that makes a catalog or something like that. Um, you're going to create relatively simple workflows that can automate small tasks on your Mac, like renaming a bunch of files, uh, converting a bunch of images from one format to another, resizing a bunch of images and attaching them to an email, things like that. So maybe, I would say three to five steps uh, that that you know would take you a few minutes to do. You might build a workflow to do them in a few seconds or something instead. Once you get beyond you know those limits, then we talk about some other automation technologies like Apple Script or something like that. Yeah, and and I mean there there are some other limits with Automator. Um, again, it's built as kind of a, a user tool that. Um, for doing these simple workflows. Um, so, so one limit that it has is, uh, it doesn't really have a great way to do looping. So, uh, you can create an automator workflow that loops and runs over and over again. Um, but it doesn't have a great way to process through a set of information. So if you wanted to, uh, say get content out of Excel, uh, like get a list of cell data and then loop through it and do something to every cell, uh, that kind of stuff might be a little bit more difficult for Automator to do because it doesn't have uh, really complicated looping procedures. And um, that's the, something where you would bring in something more powerful like AppleScript or? 
Um, yeah, there are some there are some workarounds for some of these kinds of limitations, um, but but yeah, for for when when you start getting a little bit more complex and running into some of Automator's limitations, then you might look towards something like AppleScript to kind of take you to the next level. Of course, the, you know the the learning curve is much steeper for AppleScript, um, but you can still uh, build some simple scripts that are uh, relatively not you know too hard. To, relatively not too hard to put together. Um, and you can find a lot online as well. And you can also plug Apple scripts into automator workflows. So if you find right. some really cool Apple script online um, that does something, you know, for you and you can't get that kind of functionality in automator, you can plug that script into automator and then trigger it as part of your workflow. Yeah. I mean, automator also is really a platform for launching more complex code. And mm-hmm. our friend Brett Terpstra did that. He created some, really great automator services where I think it's Perl that he, uh, he input the, uh, the actual code running is Perl, but everything is running off a service that was built in automator. And mm-hmm. uh, we talked about that in the prior show, but, it, but I think before I blow anybody's, you know, head off with some of this stuff, I, I think just stepping back, even though there are limitations, there's a lot of actions available in automator. And what I did when I first kind of discovered it was I just went through the various categories and looked at the various actions you can do. And it's pretty remarkable. I mean, even like right now I'm looking at the contacts. I can filter the address book. I can find people with birthdays. I can get selected items. I can make a group mailer. I can export cards. So there's a lot of things you can do. And if you just kind of get a knowledge for what's available, all of a sudden you start making connections where you say, well, wait a second. I have to export cards every Friday because I want to send a list of all the new clients to my boss. Well, there's an action here for it. I bet there's a way I could build an automator script that would let me do that and go home early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can um you can actually uh so when you first launch Automator, it lists uh it, it's kind of set up um I guess maybe a little bit like iTunes or um it has these these panels that show you these categories of of actions and you can select a category and then see all the actions in that category. So like you mentioned, you know, you can click on the context category and see all the actions related to context in your address book or whatever. Um but you can also uh you know if you want to see actions group by application, uh you can, if you go to the view menu, you can choose to arrange your actions by application instead. Uh so then you can get maybe a little bit uh more specific so if you if you only want things in address book, you can click on an address book category instead of just contacts and only see address book stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, Automator in, it does include a lot of actions, and I, I recommend that people kind of skim through the list. Um, but you know, there are literally hundreds of them. So I mean, it might take some time to go through. Uh, and also, it's sometimes hard to understand just by looking at the action's name what the action actually does. Uh, but if you click on an action, uh, there's a description area that will show you a little bit of information about the action. So it'll uh, like export V cards is what I'm looking at right now. It says this action takes people from address book and exports them in V card format, and, and then it has a little bit more information. Um, but you know that's that's a good way to kind of learn a little bit about the actions. Um, and you can also filter for actions. There's a search field above the action library area where you can type in uh, either so, a, a keyword or something like that. And that doesn't just search the action names. It searches information in the action as well. Um, so that can help you narrow down things too. So if you let's say you want to create uh, you know, an archive or something like that, you can just type in archive and maybe narrow down the list really quickly rather than searching through a lot of different categories. Yeah, same thing, like you want to resize photos or whatever. If you just type, type a few words, it'll dig through and find the two or three that have that word in it. Mm-hmm. 
Now, am I stuck with the actions that Apple gives me by default with Automator? Are those the only ones that I can ever use until Apple updates it with a newer version of the OS? Or are there ways to add more actions into Automator? Yeah, so Automator's list of actions kind of it's it's kind of almost unlimited in in possibility. Uh, but so initially, when you first get Automator, you you have whatever actions Apple gives you. But as you install more applications, you might start seeing more applica- or more actions appear in Automator's library area. Um, applications can contain embedded actions in them. So, for example, uh, f- let's see. I'm just looking through my list here. Omni Outliner has some actions that are built into the application. They're like embedded in the Omni Outliner application. And so when you install Omni Outliner, Automator scans when you launch Automator, it scans through all the applications on your Mac and it looks for these embedded actions and then they just show up in Automator. So that's one way that you can get actions. Uh, you can also get uh, actions from third parties like like I've released actions through the Mac App Store that people can download just an application and the application doesn't actually do anything. It just it contains a bunch of Automator actions. And so Automator, when it launches, they it just loads those actions. Um, and some people release actions. Some developers will create actions and just release them, you know, on a one-off basis. Or they might release, you know, a set of actions. Um, Automator's file menu does include an import actions uh, menu. So you can choose to import actions. Or I think in Lion, one of the recent changes was that if you, if you download an Automator action and double-click it, it will Automator just says, hey, do you want to install this? And then it just puts it where, where it needs to go and shows up in Automator. So you can you can certainly expand the list on your own, and some of the uh, applications you install will expand it for you. Um, but, I mean, you are also limited, though, by what actions people have created for you. So, um, you know, the, the Omni Outliner looks like it contains maybe, you know, 15 or 20 actions. Um, the, each one of those does a specific thing, but there might be other things that, you know, you want to do that there aren't actions for. So... You know, maybe in the next release they'll they'll add more actions for that, or you you know might email them and say, "Hey, I'd love to see an automator action for this." Um, so, like for example, empty the trash. There's no automator action for empty the trash. <laughs> yes, but I, I think you might have come up with a creative solution for that. Yes. Uh, yep. I created an empty the trash action that is part of my file and folder action pack that uh, is in the Mac App Store. So, yeah. I mean, uh, over the years, I've I've been kind of building up a set of actions that I've released I, with uh, snow leopard. I had a, uh, written about 170 actions for all different applications, including the finder and FileMaker and the Adobe applications and things like that. Um, and I'm now working on rewriting some, a lot of those actions and trying to get them in the Mac app store. I, I have a lot more to go. Cause like David mentioned earlier, each action is like its own little application. So, you know, that's 170 little applications that have to get, you know, updated. <laughs> um, but a lot of the actions that I've written and released are based on either things that I've noticed that Automator doesn't have, or they're things that people have asked me for, you know, how do I do this? And there's no way to do it that's built in. Um, so I've created an action to do that for them. So essentially, uh, Ben's been adding more Legos to the box. Exactly. And, and, and some of my favorite developers are doing the same. Like you said, Omni Group has some great Omni Outliner ones. Pixelmator's got some several. Yep. BB Edit's got a lot of good ones. Transmit, if you do a lot of FTP stuff, Transmit's got uh, automator actions to mount and upload and synchronize and download. So that makes it really easy to automate that process, which can be time-consuming. 
Yep, and um, f- fetch also. If you use fetch, uh, also has some automator actions. I don't have that one, but see that it's just. I think it's it's really a treasure trove if you want to try and get into this stuff. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to learn how to program. You don't have to go buy a book on Xcode. You don't even have to know Apple Script. All you have to do is start building Legos, and it's kind of fun. Okay, so once you open Automator for the first time, you get this choice where you can pick a workflow or an application or various options. And I think that's really confusing for someone starting with this. Can you explain the various options you have when you open Automator for the first time? Yeah. So when you open Automator, um, you get this template window that allows you to kind of choose what kind of workflow you want to build. Um, And I I do... I also kind of find it a little bit confusing because sometimes I don't know what kind of workflow I want to build right away. I might just want to build a workflow and then I might want to save it later uh, as a different kind of workflow. Um, so this this template window makes you choose up front, though, what kind of workflow you want to create. Um, so And there, it has a lot of different options. Uh, one option is to create a workflow file, which is just a file that you double-click and it opens an automator. Another option is an application, which... Uh, an automator application that you create, it just works like any other application. You can double click it to run it, um, or you can even drag and drop things onto it to process them. So uh, let's say you create an image processing workflow, you could drag and drop a bunch of images onto it. And those images would then get passed into the workflow and processed by the actions. Um, Okay. So for using the example of my image resize and reformatting earlier, if I had a, a picture on my desktop, I could just drag it on top of that app and then automator would do exactly what I said. It would resize and change the format and change the thing. Exactly. And, you know, you could put that application also in your, in your launch pad or your dock or something like that as well. So just like any other application in OS 10, um, you can also send it to somebody else too, if you wanted to, you know, send it to your, to your mother or something. Um, but, uh, the only stipulation is that any actions that that workflow use, she would have to have, um, on her Mac as well. So, so if you've used any custom actions or any actions from custom applications, they've got to have that. Exactly. Yep. But, you know, okay. that's really – I never really thought of that. But here's another use. I mean, when you're dealing with friends and family that are not as computer literate and they need to upload something to an FTP server or something, just creating the login and doing it for them and sending them the automator application, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. So they just drag it on and then it uploads it and you, you don't have to – try to explain FTP to them. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You could certainly pretty easily, you know, using the fetch or transmit actions, create a little workflow that just uploads a file to your FTP server and then send that to somebody. Um, they wouldn't even have to know how to use the FTP app. They would just have to have it installed and have opened it at least once so that they would have the automator actions installed. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so some other kinds of workflows that you can build um, one is, is really useful as a service workflow. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe aren't quite familiar with services in OS 10. Um, but a service is a type of work is a type of little program that can be run from like a contextual menu in an application or from, uh, if you, in a lot of applications, if you go up to the application menu, there's actually a services sub menu, um, and you can trigger little applications or processes from that menu. Uh, so you can actually create your own little plugins for these menus uh, with Automator, and these things allow you to do to do tasks like process text. So you could you could create an Automator workflow that every time you uh, select a chunk of text in Mail you can trigger this workflow from the contextual menu and do something with that text, uh, like, you know, convert it to uppercase or lowercase or something like that. Um, 
So services uh, are are very flexible, and I actually use them a lot for for doing little tests on my Mac. Um, one example, kind of building on on David's uh, image processing workflow. When I wrote my Peach Pit book, um, I was required to have all of the screenshots that I used in the book, and I used a lot of screenshots. They wanted them all in, I think, TIFF black and white format or something like that. And so I had taken all these screenshots in uh, just color PNG format or something along those lines. Um, so I just created with maybe, you know, two automator actions, a little workflow that I saved as a service to convert my peach pit images. And so anytime I finished a chapter, I would just select, you know, 50 images or however many images I had control click on them. And from the, the services menu, choose, you know, convert peach pit images. And it would within a few seconds, convert all of those images to, to black and white TIFF format. Yeah. And I just would like to, editorialize and say that the services are the gold in automator. Yeah. I mean, when you start, when you figure that out, it's really going to unleash the beast because you can right click on any file. And if you have a service built, it performs the action. You don't have to go find an app. You don't have to open automator. It just happens. And that's how I run that image processing workflow that I was talking about earlier. Another example of image processing, I guess this is a good, a good example is, when I was writing the iPad at work book, I originally started taking screenshots in iOS 4 because that's what that was before the beta for iOS 5. And, you know, in iOS 4, when you took a screenshot and it's into the Mac, it, it had it in portrait mode instead of landscape mode. Mm-hmm. So I needed a automator script to, uh, to rotate the image and then allow me to give it the name that Wiley required for the book. And, um, same thing. I had a service built, and I just went through, selected a group of images, pressed one button, it rotated them all, let me name them, and then it sent them off to Wiley all in one swell foop, as they say. Yeah, and and actually, uh, you know, doing things with file naming is is a great thing for Automator. So, like with that, uh, you know, book you were writing, you might have had a ton of different uh, screenshots. And they maybe have to all be named a certain way. Well, Autom- yeah. Automator has a, a great renaming action that will let you batch rename files so you can have them renamed sequentially. You can add and remove uh, prefixes and, and things like that. Um, so so that kind of stuff is, is a great thing for Automator. You can have it add the date and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, in my case, I had to put the ISBN number, which is like this 15-digit mm-hmm. number. Yeah. And, you know, if I had to type that in for every image in that book, you would have had to put me in a home at some point. (laughs) But, you know, with Automator, it just happened. I didn't even really think about it. Right. You know, we did a whole episode on services way back. I think it was episode 11. Yeah, when it was brand new. We talked about services when they were new. Yeah, but I think it's even better now. I, I That is something that never went away from me. I, I love the services. In fact, I think that is what really drew me into Automator in a big way because I had trouble before finding uses for it. And then I'd say, well, where's that application? Uh, now that it's just in the contextual menu, um, I think it makes Automator I – mean, I think the Snow – that was probably my favorite feature of Snow Leopard is the services. Yeah, and actually a couple other things that are great about services – uh, one, it's just a good way to organize your your Automator workflows because you you build. I mean, if you start using Automator, you might end up building a lot of different workflows. and And where do you put them all? Do you do you stick them all in your Launchpad? Do you stick them in your Dock? If you create them as services, uh, they only show up when you need them, and they're they're organized. You know, in one spot, you always know where they're going to be. You can also uh, configure service workflows to only appear when you're in certain applications. So if, if you've got some great mail services that you've created, they might you can set it up so they only show up when you're in mail. 
Um, and then also through system preferences, you can assign key commands to your uh, automator services. So that way you can, you know, at, a, at the type of a key, create uh, or trigger your workflow and have it run. So Yeah, and that's done with the keyboard shortcuts and the system preferences. Yep, exactly. Actually, one, one example of a, of a workflow that I use all the time as a service is uh, – I've created a service that uh, there's no functionality built into Automator to do this. So I, I had to use a little bit of Apple script in my workflow. Um, but I created a service that just moves selected email messages to an archive folder. And uh, Mail has an archive folder in Lion. I think they, I think it might be a new feature in Lion. But they have a way to archive messages. But it does it, I think, in the cloud. And I want my uh, messages archived a lot of times to a local folder. So I just created an Automator service and assigned a keyboard shortcut of like command option A or something. Um, and so every time I push that, it just takes whatever messages I've selected and moves them to the archive folder. Um, it's a simple little thing. You know, I could easily drag them myself, but, um, but it, it saves me a lot of time. Yeah. Now, the next couple of options when Automator pops up are completely foreign to me. And I'm hoping you can explain them. I mean, what is a print plugin? Yeah, a print plugin is actually very cool. So when you uh, – Alan's cool. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> and I, I actually use these a lot too. Um, when you open up any document in OS X and you go to print it, you have a little PDF button in the print dialog. And you can choose to save that document as a PDF. So if you're in Word or, uh, or PowerPoint or anything, you can easily save any document as a PDF. Well – if you save an Automator workflow as a print plugin, it shows up in that little menu. And if you choose it, whatever document you have open gets printed to PDF and then passed as input to the workflow for processing. So uh, just to give one example of something that I use this for, I have a client that requires me to enter my timesheet online every week. And I have to keep track of my time. Like I have to retain a record of this every time I enter my timesheet. And it doesn't email me a receipt or anything. So every time I enter my time, I do file print. And from the PDF dropdown, I choose an Automator uh, print plugin that uh, causes the, the timesheet that I have opened in my browser to be printed to PDF and passed to the workflow. And then that workflow adds the current date and time to the PDF, and it puts it into the client folder in a certain spot. So that way... Um, it's, it's, it's automatically filed for me. It saves me the time of having to manually type in a name for that, that PDF timesheet. And it's, I don't have to go put it anywhere. It just, it knows where it needs to go. Oh, I can totally see this for organizing receipts or statements or yep. anything yeah. like that for a paperless workflow. Yeah. So if you wanted to save specifically to a certain folder, you could create a workflow for that as a print plugin, and then you could you know, just go to the print dialog, hit the PDF button and click that button and it would give the file a name pursuant to the automator rules you use mm -hmm. and save it to the location you want. So it saves you a bunch of time. You know, I, I did a post at Max Barkey, I think it was like four years ago, about how I used a keyboard shortcut um, to to go open the print dialog as Command-P. And then if you hit Command-P again when you're in the print dialog, it would automatically print it to PDF. Mm -hmm. And... I think that probably has some of the most reads of anything I've ever written. And it's just a simple little tip. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it in the show notes. But you could do the same thing here. Once you create that print plugin, you could attach a keyboard shortcut to it then. So you'd hit Command-P to open the print dialog box and then maybe Command-R to save it to your receipt folder. Mm -hmm. And if you do that three times a day, 365 days a year, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. 
Yeah, and and you know you don't have, even just have to save to a folder. Suppose you wanted to print that PDF and have it uploaded to your FTP server. You know you might use your transmit actions or something to do that. So you could have print PDF to tra- p- print PDF to FTP server, and in you know one step you automatically print whatever document you have open and send it to your server. Yeah, or you could you could add a a copy of it to a mail message. Yep, and send it off. Yep, mm-hmm. and and there are actually some uh, some options in that PDF menu by default. I think some of those are actually automator workflows that Apple gives you. Um, then there, there are ones for like mailing a PDF and things like that. Um, but you can, you can, you know, expand on those with your own, uh, and, and make more advanced ones. I mean, for instance, if your timesheets, if you sent those to a, a certain person and the, the reference line always said billings for, and then you'd have a date wild card in there. Yep. So you could have it create the email message, have the recipient's name already there, create the subject line, and attach the file. Exactly. And send it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could you could definitely do that. And I can I can completely see combining this with other productivity applications like Text Expander or Hazel or, or you know uh, an OCR application like PDF Pen to OCR things and just possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a great uh, it's a great option with uh, a lot of possibilities. Am, am I nuts for getting excited about this stuff? I wonder. <laughs> I, I get really excited about doing this. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And and like I said, a lot of times people when they once they start seeing the kinds of stuff they can do and you know build that first workflow, then they start they start getting all these ideas in their head. You know, oh, I could do this, I could do that, and then they just start building more and more stuff. So. All right. Well, another option you have when you're creating a new workflow is a folder action. Yes, a folder action. Um, so folder actions have actually been in OS X for quite some time. Uh, and uh, they've always kind of had to do with AppleScript until Automator came out. Um, but a folder action is basically uh, a way to trigger a workflow or a script when something is added to a folder. So you could cr- basically create a hot folder. So you could create a folder in your desktop called you know, send to FTP or send to email or something like that. And every time you drop a file into it, it automatically uploads it or attaches it to an email message. So, so the OS 10 kind of watches that folder. And when it sees something arrive in it, it runs your workflow and it passes that new item to the workflow for processing. Um, and this is, this is another great option for sending to someone who's not so computer literate. Yep. Say, put this on your desktop. And when you want to send the pictures to me, Put them in this folder. Yeah, I mean, think of it kind of like Dropbox. You know, you drop something in your Dropbox, and it syncs with all your devices. Well, instead of syncing with your devices, you're performing some series of tasks on them. So uh, attaching them to an email message or or whatever, you know, opening them in your favorite application. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's a great thing. So for your for your back to your image processing thing again, you know, you could just as easily create a folder action uh, folder or a folder action workflow and attach a f- attach it to a folder. And every time you drop your images into that folder, they automatically get rotated and scaled. Yeah. Yeah. Then the next option is to create an iCal alarm workflow. Yes. And iCal alarm, um, that's another useful one. Um, a lot of people want to trigger automator workflows on a schedule. So maybe every morning they want, um, automator to go and get a list of their, uh, their iCal events for that day and present them with a little summary or something like that. Um, or maybe uh, ones that I've done, or maybe I want it to copy something to a backup drive every night at midnight. Um, so iCal an iCal alarm is a workflow that runs according to an iCal alarm. So when you create an, an iCal alarm workflow and then you save it, an event 
actually an automator calendar gets created in iCal for you automatically. And an event gets created on that calendar, I think at the current date and time. And then you can adjust the time and put it on a repeating schedule or something like that. And whenever that uh, schedule happens, it um, triggers your workflow. So it doesn't, yeah. doesn't pass anything to it as input, but it, um, but it triggers the workflow and runs it at a certain time. So it's good for system maintenance. Yep. Um, backups. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's a lot you can do with it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, I get a lot of questions from people about, you know, how do I run this on a schedule? And that's, that's how you do it. It's, it's this, you know, you build the workflow the same way for pretty much any of these, uh, any of these types of workflows. Um, but it just gives you a lot of different options for how you actually run the workflow. Yeah, that's really a good bit of insight because, you know, you open Automator and you're saying, well, I don't know what I want to do. I just want to see if the thing works. Yeah. And I start usually with just a workflow. And you, you don't have to – the choice you make at the beginning doesn't really matter. It uh, Later later you can save it as a service, right? Yeah, it's, it's changed a little bit in um, – actually, uh, so in Snow Leopard, if you created a workflow, I don't think there was a way to save it in another format other than just between a workflow and an application. Um, in Lion, they added the duplicate feature. So if you create, say, a workflow application and you want to convert that to a service, you open your workflow application in Automator, and then from the file menu, you choose duplicate. And then it presents you with this alert, this uh, template chooser again, and you can say, okay, I want to duplicate this as a service. And that's how you would create – You know, th that's how essentially you would save that application workflow as a service workflow instead. You're, you're duplicating okay. it to a new document. Okay. And then the the final choice you have when starting a new workflow is the image capture plugin. Yep, image capture plugin. Um, it's it's an interesting one. I have not really had any use for it myself, um, but on on your Mac you have the image capture application, which allows you to uh, you know you can plug in your camera and you can browse your photos and download them and things like that. Um, image capture also has a way to trigger a workflow as it's downloading images. So um, you know if you're a professional photographer and let's say you want you have some naming convention for your photos and every time you download them from your camera, you want them to be named a certain way and put into some kind of a folder structure where well, you can create an iCal or I'm sorry, an image capture plugin uh, with automator and save that. And then as part of uh, image capture, when you go to import your photos, you can set it to trigger that workflow. So it would download the photos to your Mac and then pass them as input to the workflow. So now they automatically get renamed for you and put where they need to go. Yeah, and with a uh, professional photographer, like if you use Aperture, there's a lot of automator actions for uh, Aperture. So you could assign keywords. You could actually do quite a bit yep. at that initial import. Yeah, I mean, you could have it Yeah, assign metadata, like maybe copyright information. Uh, you could have it import them into Aperture for you, things like that. Um, so, or, you know, even create like a little PDF contact sheet of the photos that you just created. Uh, you know, maybe you have to email it to somebody for for review or something like that. So, mm -hmm. so now this part of the podcast is difficult. I'm going to ask you, how do you build? Actually, a David, before we do that, we've been going for a while. Maybe we should take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor. Yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> kind of pay the bills. <laughs> we do have to pay the bill. Um, so, you know, let's take a quick break and talk about our first sponsor, the Omni Group. And, you know, it's it's the new year and we're, we're heading into 2012 full speed ahead and everybody has resolutions. And just about everybody, I think, resolves that this is the year where they're going to get organized. They're, I was just talking to one of my, my partners at the law firm and he just said, you know, this is the year that I'm going to do things better. He says, I don't know how somebody has to teach me how I can do 
do things better? Is is I'm not doing things that they aren't working. Someone, I got to figure this out. What can I do? And I need a better system. And I think uh, the Omni Group has some products that can help you do things better. And specifically, OmniFocus can help you create that system. And I know David depends on it immensely. And Ben, I, I think you said you do too. Yeah, I use OmniFocus all the time. I love it. It's a it's just it's one of my favorite apps, I would say. And actually, one thing I've noticed uh, on on I think David's website is he he does these uh, these interviews with people where he asks them what's on their home screen of their of their iPhone, and I notice like almost every single person has OmniFocus on their home screen. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So if you want to get started uh, with OmniFocus, we have a, a series of three excellent tutorials that David did. You can find links to those over at MacPowerUsers.com. Um, and those are a great way to get you started. And OmniFocus has products for the Mac. They have products for the iPad. They have products for the iPhone. So wherever you go, you're never out of touch with all of your information, all of your data. And now they've kind of got this personal assistant built in with Siri, too, which I must admit I'm very jealous of. Yeah, it's amazing. You just open Siri and you say, remember to take out the garbage, and it gets added to OmniFocus. And they, they've figured out a way to tie it directly in. I mean, you've got the built-in reminders app, which is fine, but if you use OmniFocus, you want the ability to to put those tasks into OmniFocus. And while I'm driving down the road, I think of a million things that I want to do on a legal case or something I want to do for Max Sparky. And so often those start out just as a, a dictation to Siri. Yeah, you know, OmniFocus really is. I think the thing about it, because I like you, Katie. I've had several people come to me after the New Year saying, "Okay, I you're with it, and I'm not. Please help me." Which, first of all, they're totally misguided to think that I'm with it. Help because, me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Because I'm not. You know, I'm I'm terrible at this stuff, but I try. And uh, so I've hooked up a few people with OmniFocus. And the selling point for me with OmniFocus is that you've got this team of really smart people working every day to make it better. And it just shows. I mean, this app has so much polish and the ability to go and audit your your um, projects on a weekly basis with some basis in logic and the ability to uh, assign advanced start dates so you don't have to see a project until it's really necessary. I mean, every little piece of this thing, I think, just works so well. I'm so happy to have this tool in my life. And, um, and, and you know, I think anybody who's, who's having trouble should look into it. I, I've talked about like when I was in law school, I did my task list with a napkin every day and it worked fine. Those but, were wonderful days when yeah. that was all you had to worry about. And if that works for you, that's great. But if you need a serious tool, this is it. And you know, the investment it's $80 to buy the, the app in the Mac app store. And there's an iPad app for 40 and an iPhone app for 20. And that's some of the best money you're going to spend. If you're uh, having trouble keeping track of things, I just couldn't get by without it. Well, you can find uh, more information about OmniFocus and all of the other applications over at OmniGroup.com. They are available in the Mac App Store as well as the iOS App Store for the iPhone and iPad versions. And we thank OmniGroup for supporting Mac Power users. Yeah, and if and if you're in the new year and you're having trouble getting it going with your task list, really just bite the bullet and just do this. The screencasts, I think, are very good. I'm very proud of that work. And Or you can just watch the screencasts, and that may be enough to convince you. Jean McDonald just wrote me the other day and said that she watched the screencast and she said now she gets it. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's what I did too, I think. Um, I, I had used OmniFocus a little bit here and there for a while. And at some point, I decided to watch uh, the screencasts. And and a lot of stuff just clicked with me that I had been kind of struggling with. Um, but I, you know, I love it. It's, just, it's a great app. Well, that means a lot to me, Ben, because I think you're a pretty good screencaster yourself. <laughs> 
Thank you. Okay. Well, let's get back to it then. So, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, this is something that's very difficult to cover in an audio format because you you really have to be looking at Automator to work it. But can you just give some basic tips about building workflows for people who will be sitting down after the show to put together one? Yes. Um, So one thing that you that I think is a little, little bit difficult for people to understand is how information is passed through a workflow. So when you build an automator workflow, you're piecing together these little action programs to do a series of tasks. And I think a lot of times people don't know how to piece these things together. Um, so let's say you want a, a workflow that's going to process a bunch of files on your desktop. Um, there's lots of ways you can get those files into a workflow. Um, if you just want to run the workflow in Automator, you can just drag those files to the workflow and they'll get inserted at the top of the workflow. Um, or if you create, say, an application workflow, um, those files would be passed in automatically when the workflow – when you drag them onto the application. Um, so so let's say you're starting with files. The first thing that you, you want to do is find an action to process those files. Um, and, and most actions have – a specific type of input that they accept. So if you go under the files and folders category in Automator, you'll see um, if you click on any, pretty much any of those actions uh, and you look at the description area, you'll see there's like a little input uh, label and it'll say this action, you know, this action accepts as input files and folders. Um, So if you want to process files, you want to make sure that you're inserting an action that, that has that listed for the input. And then if you want to continue to process those files, um, you can actually uh, – an action will also – well, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. An action also has the ability to output information too. So if you – let's say you have an action. Um, I'm just going to pick one here. Create archive. So create archive is an action that makes a zip file. It needs files in order to make the zip file. So sure, you can't you can't zip something unless you've got a file to begin exactly. with. Exactly. So let's say you're building a workflow in Automator. You you could drag a bunch of files to to Automator's window, and it would insert them into the workflow. Now you could go and insert the create archive action. And when you do this, there's like a little arrow that kind of links these two actions together: the 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 action that gets the files and the action that makes the archive. And so that little arrow indicator that tells you that these actions are like compatible with one another. So you know that something's going to be passed from this first action to the next one. And if you look at the create archive actions description, you can see that it also has a result listed. And its result is also files and folders. That means that it's going to process the files and then it's going to output more files as input. So what this action outputs is the zip file. And so now if you wanted to, say, upload that zip file, you go find an upload action that takes files and folders as its input and you insert it after the create archive action. So now you've got this workflow that takes gets a bunch of files, creates an archive, and then uploads the zip file. Yeah, and the hang-up for me at the beginning was that first step. Because in my mind, it didn't occur to me that you needed to tell the computer to go get the file. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a common thing. Because you got to think like a programmer. I mean, the computer doesn't just know, you know intuitively what file you're thinking of, you have to tell it to go get the file. And then once I got the file into the automator workflow, the rest of it was, was much easier. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it, that is one area that I, I find, I get a lot of questions from people about automator, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And that's one question that I get a lot is, you know, how do I get it to process these files? I built this workflow, but 
but how do I tell it what files to process? And and again, you can if you're working in Automator, you can just drag files up to it. Um, but you probably don't want the workflow to process the same files every single time. So um, there are other ways that you can um, that you can get it files to process. There's a, a get selected finder items action that will get whatever files you have selected in the finder at that time. Um, or there's a get specified finder items action that uh, you can choose to have that action prompt you when you run the workflow. So every time you run the workflow, it asks you what files you want to process. Yeah, and there's one called ask for finder items. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, there's, and that, yep. And, and you can, with that action, you can actually choose, I believe, to, to say, uh, ask me for files or ask me for folders or ask me for both. So you can, you can kind of customize what it's asking for. And it, and when you put that one at the beginning, it opens a dialog box, and you just like if you were opening any other app, it gives you the dialog box. You go and select the file, right? And then it puts that into Automate. Yep. Now that, of course, that's an extra step though. When you run their workflows, you've got to go now navigate and find this file. So yes. that's where a workflow application or a service or something might come in handy because it will take what you have selected or what you've dragged onto the application and pass it as input automatically. Then then you don't need that that ask action. Yeah, and that may explain my love affair with services because then I don't have to deal with that part. It's just the file's already selected by its nature. I'm right-clicking on it so it knows what I want. Right, and actually one uh, question, I, I get this pretty frequently, is how come it's processing my files twice? So I had somebody who emailed me this week, and they had created an automated workflow that added spotlight comments to a bunch of files, and it was duplicating the spotlight comments, and they couldn't figure out why. Well, I think what, what, a lot of times what people do is they insert the get selected finder items action first because it, it makes sense. I want to get whatever I've selected and process it. But then they save their workflow as an application or a service, and then they trigger it by dragging, dropping files onto it or you know choosing the service from the contextual menu. Well, when they do that, the files that you have selected get passed to the workflow's input. So when get spe- uh, when the get selected finder items action runs, it actually appends the two together. So it's a, it's taking the files you have selected and appending them to the selected files, which gives you the same files twice. Um, so then they end up getting processed twice. So what I tell them to solve the problem is to delete the get selected finder items action from the workflow. Yeah, and so there's a situation where the format of your automator project really matters. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about looping and variables, because when it first came out, that those were the two big gripes against Automator. You couldn't loop and you couldn't use variables. And I believe, was it Snow Leopard or Leopard that they added those features? Um, I think... I think it was more recently. Yeah, I think it was Snow Leopard. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, looping is where you can set in, a, in, in programming parlance, and I'm like the last person on the planet should be talking about this, but... This is where you can have the program get to the bottom and then go back to the top and start over again. Yeah. So I think looping is still a little bit of a disappointment for people in Automator. People were looking for something a little bit more robust. Um, yeah, there's an action called loop that you can add at the end of your workflow. And all it does is when it gets hit, it goes back to the beginning of the workflow and starts to run the workflow again. Um, and that's great for certain situations, but in reality, people don't want to do that that much. They a lot of times want to loop through a bunch of files, or they and process each one individually, or they want to loop through a bunch of uh, chunks of text and do something to them. And that action does not allow them to do that. So, yeah. um, so it's a little bit limited with that regard. Uh, but there are some uh, workarounds for that. Um, I think I actually did a, a podcast episode on on 
more advanced looping, like looping through data. Um, and I th- I know I've written some, some information about how to do this, but um, there's a website called macosxautomation.com. Um, yeah, and, which is an amazing website if you want to get into this stuff. Yep, and there, there's an action on there that's free that you can download called Dispense Items Incrementally. And if you add that at the beginning of your workflow and you use the loop workflow at the end, it that action will release one file at a time to be processed through your workflow. So it lets you do it lets you loop through files a little bit easier. Um, and I've also I've I released a while ago um, a I think it's an AppleScript tool that will take an automator workflow and kind of wrap it in an AppleScript. And it will run the workflow one file at a time. So you drag a bunch of files onto this little AppleScript package, and it la- it'll launch your workflow and pass it one file at a time. Um, and that's also free. People can find that on my website. And then, and then variables is another discussion that people have in this context where it's not as robust as it would be with a, a normal programming language. Yeah, so variables, um, for people who aren't, familiar with them. Um, a variable is basically a chunk of data that's kind of evaluated when the workflow runs. So suppose you want to add the current date and time to a file. Well, that date and time is going to change every time the workflow runs. So you need some way to insert that. Or maybe you want to insert the, um, you know, the, the, the last name of the currently logged in user. Well, if you're sending out a workflow to a bunch of different people, that last name is going to be different for every single person. So variables give you a way to do this. Um, and in Automator, in the Actions library area, there's a Variables tab that you can click. And it, um, it just like the Actions, has a bunch of different categories listed. There are date and time variables, location variables, uh, text variables, user variables, and things like that. And you can go through these things and add them to your workflow. Uh, so if you wanted to add the current date and time to... Uh, a file name in some save action, you could just drag that uh, variable to the save field, the the file name field in the save action. Um, But there are also a a few limitations with regard to variables too. Um, You can only use them in certain areas in Automator. Um, So there are text fields in some actions, like let's say a file name text field. Some of those you can drag variables into and use them, but not all of them. Um, it depends how the developer built the action. Um, and then uh, you can also drag variables to dropdowns. So so an action might have a dropdown, say, like a path dropdown of, you know, you want to save this to the desktop. And there might be a dropdown that allows you to choose the desktop, your, your pictures folder, your music folder, things like that. And you can drag a, a location variable to that pop-up or that dropdown um, and have that kind of figured out dynamically by a variable at runtime. You know, and with all the gripes aside about the limitations of variables and loops in Automator, for what it is, I think it's just fine. Yeah, it it, it definitely is very useful. Um, it's a little bit complicated to kind of understand how to use them. It's a, it's a little bit more advanced um, than just, you know, building a workflow with actions. But if you want to start doing more complicated stuff, uh, action or variables are the way to do it. Um, one other thing that variables are great for is you can create custom variables, which a custom variable would be a variable that just contains some information, which could be anything. And um, there's actually an action called set variable, and you can insert that in various points in your workflow. So um, one of the limitations of Automator is that when you build a workflow, 
information is passed through that workflow in, sequ- in sequence from start to finish. So at the top of the workflow, you have a file that gets passed to the next action, gets passed to the next action, gets passed to the next action, and so forth. But you might need to do something somewhere in the middle of your workflow and break that 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 line. Um, so there's no way to do that built into Automator unless you use a variable. So by so what you can do is somewhere in your workflow when you need to to have that break occur, you can insert the set variable action and you can set that variable to the result of the action before it. So the create archive file creates a zip or the create archive action creates a zip file and you might store that in a variable. And then later you can reference that variable again in your workflow. So it gives you a way to uh, kind of break your workflow up a little bit more and refer back to stuff that kind of was forgotten earlier in the workflow. And is all inclusive as Automator has become, and as as much as it's grown over the, the various versions, what do you do if you still run into some of these limitations? And there's still things that you want to do with Automator, but you keep hitting your head on the ceiling. Where do you go from there? Um, well, there there are some websites you can go to to kind of uh, ask some questions or like some some forums where you can go post questions and things like that. Um, but if you really start running into roadblocks, that's when you want to start looking at maybe something a little bit more advanced like AppleScript um, because there are some things that you just can't do with Automator. And, and you know, once you start building more involved workflows, you're bound to reach those limitations. Now, I, uh, we were thinking about doing a show on AppleScript, and the more I think about it, the more I think it's a bad idea because <laughs> it's just <laughs> – it's just too difficult to explain how to do AppleScript, which is a programming language, and it's a weird programming language, but uh, there's some great books on it. But I thought what we do in this show is just kind of have you talk a little bit about how AppleScript fits into all this and, and you know where AppleScript takes over, where Automator leaves off. So if people are interested in that, they can we'll give them the resources and they can get an idea of what to expect from that. Yeah. So first of all, AppleScript is... It's basically like a programming language. So, you know, the average person isn't just going to start writing Apple scripts. Um, but one difference between Apple script and something like Objective C or Cocoa is that it's it has a relatively easy to learn syntax. So, if if you download an Apple script that you find online and you open it and you look at it, you might be able to figure out what that script's doing by looking at it. Whereas if you download, say, a Cocoa application and try to look at the code, you're probably not going to understand what the heck it's doing. <laughs> so, yeah. so it, it, it has a, a little bit easier learning curve than a lot of uh, more advanced programming languages. Um, but uh, how does it tie into Automator? Well, one way is that a lot of the Automator actions that you find in Automator are actually written in AppleScript. All of the 170 actions I've written over the years have been, they're all AppleScript based. Um, and so that's one way that developers are adding, you know, support, Automator support to their applications is if their applications are Apple scriptable, they can very easily create Automator actions and release them in their application as well. Um, so that's one way that, that people are using it. Um, other ways are that Automator, like I mentioned, has some limitations. Um, but if you really have a great workflow that you just need a couple additional things uh, in it, Automator includes an action called run Apple script. It also has a run shell script action. And, um, and so you can, you can add scripting into your automator workflow if you know how to do it. So you could, 
just when you hit a limitation, you know, insert the run Apple script action and type in your Apple script code and have that run as part of your workflow. And I use that a lot. Of course, I know Apple script, but, um, but that is a, a good way to kind of get around some limitations. Um, also, you know, you might find an Apple script online or something that you want to incorporate into your workflow. So if you, if you have access to it and you can download it and see the, the code, you might be able to just paste it into the run Apple script automator action and run it as part of your workflow as well. Yeah, and, and even a moron like me can do that, and <laughs> I do, right? So, like, one of the things, limitations of Automator is it you can't have it speak a command. There is no way to have it speak a command. And sometimes I run a script where I'd like to say upload complete at the end. And so I do the Apple Script shell uh, Automator action, and I just have, there's an Apple Script command called say, right? So you type say, and put the word in quotes, upload complete, and then you, you just put it in your workflow, and then your computer will say upload complete at the end. Actually, I'm going to correct you. There is a in way my... to speak in Automator. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, there's a, I didn't know there's that. There's a speak text action. Um, and so it doesn't just speak. You have to pass it text. So you, to do that, you would have to have two actions together. You could have uh, an action that gets specified text and then passes it to the speak text action, which could then speak it using a voice that you specify. Yeah, and it even lets you pick the voice. And see, I thought I was so smart <laughs> figuring that out. <laughs> Actually, you've crushed me. You've crushed me, Ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Actually, one thing that that one action I really love in Automator, just on the topic of speech, is uh, there's actually an action that will convert uh, text to audio format. Um, so let's say you have an email or something that you want to listen to, uh, you can have it. You can configure Automator to take a chunk of text and save it as an audio file, and then you can import it into iTunes or something like that. Um, so it's a, it's a very cool action. Yeah, yeah it is nice. The um, yeah, it, it is. So so the way I always thought about AppleScript was, you're not going to write the next OmniFocus with AppleScript, but if you want OmniFocus to talk to another app and to kind of be even more awesome. That's where AppleScript is really great because it talks. It's a language that allows apps to talk to each other. Yeah, I I tell people both Automator and AppleScript are applications for controlling existing applications on your Mac. So you're not going to write Photoshop in AppleScript. You're going to write an app a, a script to control Photoshop and do something that that Adobe didn't know you were going to want to do. Yeah, like it's going to take something. It's going to do some command in Photoshop for you. It's going to export the image, and then it's going to mail it to your publisher and upload it to your backup server. Or you know, it's just going to do a whole bunch of stuff for you at once. Yeah, it's a great way to integrate multiple applications together. So and pass information between one another. So get information from Photoshop and bring it over to InDesign, and then you know take that and save it as a PDF and put it in your email program and things like that. So there's, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of automation I found that AppleScript can't do on the Mac. Um, you can really automate some really complex stuff with AppleScript, but again, you have to know how to do it. So, um, so there, therein lies the problem. But I, I will tell you, I taught myself AppleScript, and it took a while, but it can be self-taught. You just have to have a lot of time to do it. So, and there's some really good books, and we're going to cover that. Um, let's do our last sponsor, but I would like to talk about where to go to learn more because both for Automator and AppleScript. The, the tools are out there for you to go and learn it on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, but let's talk about uh, 1Password first because they're our second sponsor today, or actually our, our other sponsor for this show. Um, and this is one sponsor I have no trouble talking about. I love 1Password. 
Um, over the holidays, I hooked up more of my family on it, so I feel even better that they've got a secure system to save their passwords. Uh, it's multi-platform. It works on everything, Mac, PC, iPhone, iPad. Um, I think they're on Android now. They are. They do yeah. have a reader for Android. Yeah, so you can go through and use a Dropbox sync of your encrypted password database and have it on all of your platforms at once. Yeah, you know, we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and this is really a year not only to get all your passwords in order and to make sure that you have strong and secure passwords, but just to get all of your information in order as well. And, you know, one password is more than just a password manager. It does that, but it does a whole lot more. You've got uh, places where you can add secure notes into one password. And I've started doing this um, this year, trying to get some of my things in order. But but just notes of information that, that I may need that, that will be secure or information that other people may need if at some point that I'm not able to give it to them. Um, and they do have my 1Password password, uh, as well as software licenses that you can organize in 1Password. So it's really for more than just passwords. It, you can do secure notes and software licenses as well. And really just less clutter to have overall on your desktop, less things to manage in other places, and a place to know that that information is always with you because it's on the Mac, they're on the PC, they're on iOS, they're on your iPhone, they're on your iPad, they're even on Android, um, and they're going to be in more places soon. And did you know, David, that uh, if your 1Password data file is in your Dropbox, there's also a, a web interface, a secure web interface that you can use to access that from any computer, anywhere, uh, securely, even if you're not having access to one password on any other devices. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, uh, you know, another thing I like about those secure notes though, is that it puts your data on your iPad or your iPhone behind a separate password wall. So if you have, if someone gets into your iPad and you've got really important things like your social security numbers or bank records, you put it as a secure note in one password and they'd still have to get through that second layer of protection to get to that information. Anyway, you can buy 1Password at the Mac App Store for $50. And that's essentially a family license because if your whole family is on the same user account, that's what's the case in my family. Uh, or you can buy it from their website for $40 for the Mac. There is a hybrid version on iOS for $15 that gets you on both the iPhone and the iPad. Or you can get the version for just either the iPhone or the iPad for $10. If you haven't done it yet, uh, go check it out. Uh, Don McAllister did some great screencasts on it. And it's just, there's no reason not to enter 2012 with your passwords and important data behind a secure place on all of your electronic devices. I, I use 1Password all the time. I love it. I, I have it on all my devices. I have it on my kids' devices, my wife's devices. I, um, I use it. I used to use FileMaker to store all my software licenses, and I have exported them all and imported all of them into 1Password. Um, yeah, it just makes sense. And even people who are not real computer savvy, and that's really never the listeners of our show. I mean, the people in our show are, they're, you know, they're geeks like us, but all of us have these people in our families that use uh, passwords like password. I just, uh, just the One, other two, day. One, two, three, four. No, just the other day, a guy in my office set up a password called password. <laughs> and I, so I went over and fixed it for him. And, but, uh, you know, I just, did you tell him what the new one was? Oh yeah. But you know, uh, and, I but you know, <laughs> people like that, all these people, they need one password in their life because they're just asking for trouble. And I think, you know, as the bad guys get smarter, we have to as well. Yeah. It's great too. I use it to store my, uh, my Christmas lists, <laughs> secure notes. So, Oh yeah. Oh, that's you know, a good idea. Yeah. So that's my, my idea. kids aren't snooping around, you know, so. 
I could totally see my kids doing that too. I am a snoop when it comes to Christmas time. I go over to my parents' house in the middle of the day when nobody's home. You can't tell them this. And I'm like under the tree. (laughs) Do you reorganize the presents? That's what my kids tell me they're doing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I do that or not. I'm going to stop talking now. (laughs) All right. Let's get back to it. You know, Ben, one thing I wanted to ask you about Automator is if people listening to the show are now going to go try it, um, what are some of the common, you know, troubleshooting issues they have when they first start. Yeah. Um, automator, that's, that's one area that's a little bit confusing is how do you troubleshoot your workflow if you run into a problem and, and you will inevitably run into a problem. You will either put two actions together that don't fit together. Um, you know, they're not passing the right kind of information that are compatible with one another. Um, or, uh, you know, there's maybe an action that has a bug in it or, or something like that. So how do you, or, or maybe you forgot an action. You know, some people might not insert that action, like you mentioned, that that gets the files and folders. You know, your your workflow is not pointed at anything. So how do you troubleshoot that? Um, well, the easiest way to do it, especially if you've saved your workflow as an application or or some other type, is to just open the the workflow in Automator and try running it in Automator. Because if you don't run it in Automator, you don't have access to pretty much any troubleshooting tools. Um, so you want to open it in Automator, and when you run the workflow. Uh, each action has a couple tabs at the bottom of it. One will show you like the, the actions description. Um, and another one will show you, uh, some options and another one will show you the result of the action. So when you run your workflow, it's very helpful to open up the result area on each of these actions. So you can see what is being passed between the actions. So you can make sure that files and folders are being passed down to an action that processes files and folders. If you see it pro- you know, passing text down to the files and folders action, that's your indication that you know, your workflow is not, it's not receiving the right information and passing it through to the right actions. Um, Automator also has a, a log area, which if your workflow gets an error, a lot of times Automator displays a pretty generic error message. It'll say something like, uh, your error, your your workflow failed and um, check your actions. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, yeah, Apple. Th- thank you very much. So, um, but if you open up the log area in Automator, it will give you a lot more information. It will tell you, first of all, what action failed. And it might even tell you the reason that the action failed. It might say, this action received the wrong kind of input. Or it might say, um, you know, this action is looking for a file and that file can't be found. So... Those are really the main things that you want to use for troubleshooting is is check the, the results to make sure that the right information is being passed through and check the log area in Automator so you can kind of get a little bit more detailed error messages. Yeah. Now, I think where you go next with this is, if you're interested in this, is open Automator and see what what um, actions you have available to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go yeah. Start going through the actions and, and take a look at them. Um, also, if you... Apple doesn't give you a lot to get started with, but if you go to the help menu in Automator, you can say open examples folder, and it opens up a, a, a folder with just a couple workflows in there. I think there's three in there to get started. Um, but those workflows, you can double-click on them, and they'll open in Automator, and you can see what they what they do. Um, but you know, another way to get started, too, is to look online. There are a ton of workflows you can download that people have created for doing different things. Um, and you can a lot of times just open those workflows in Automator and see how they work and expand on them and things like that. So um, uh, macosxautomation.com is, uh, is a great one where you can find a ton of example workflows to download to do all yeah. kinds of stuff. Um, and just to, I, I posted one on my website 
know, a year ago where I talked about how to take an Instapaper article and turn it into an audio workflow in your or an audio file in iTunes mm-hmm. and tons of downloads and that. I'll link that as well. Um, I think the other thing to look at is once you start getting into Automator is how to expand your actions. And there's there's some free ones available online. And frankly, I think that the ones Ben has for sale are very good. He has two packages right now in the App Store. They're both $15. One is called File and Folder Automation Auto, uh, Action Pack. And it's got, I don't know, is it about 25 or 30 actions in it? Yeah. Uh, including things like empty trash, set file types, unlock finder items. And it's just got a ton of useful things. You can get spotlight comments. So I think that's very useful. And then Ben also has the text automator action pack, which is even more actions, which adds text features that frankly should have been there to begin with. Yeah. Like find and replace and uh, add and remove prefixes and suffixes and uh, change case, things like that stuff that people want to do all the time. Yeah, I mean, like as an attorney, find and replace because, you know, we're terrible about, you know, using forms, right? Mm-hmm. You could create an automator action that finds and replaces text for you. Yep. Yeah, I mean, actually, just on that topic, one one question I get all the time is I'm, I'm bu- I've built a workflow that, that searches or that I built a workflow that I want to find and replace text in a file. Well, this is a, an example where um, – the action, the find and replace action accepts text as input. It doesn't accept files. So you have to first read the text from the file and then you can do a find yeah. and replace and then write back to the file. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of useful actions there. Um, and again, these are based on things that either I saw automator didn't have built in or people have asked for. And I think the, the app store is like an ideal model. I told you this offline. I think it's what a great way for people to go and get access to the to the stuff you've been working on and just add it to their system. Yep. Yeah, and I, I definitely plan to keep trying to release more actions in there. I've got a lot of actions I re- released for Snow Leopard. Like, you know, I mentioned 170 actions for different things. Um, but, you know, it's taking time because I've got to essentially rewrite all of these things to get them in the Mac App Store because they, they don't accept them in the format that they're currently in. So, <laughs> And then you did for Peach Pit, there's a couple things you did. First, you did the Automator Visual Quick Start Guide. Yep. And this is really ideal if you're trying to learn about this stuff because you take screenshots of every step of building these automator actions. And how many – it's a pretty big book. Um, I don't know how many pages it is. Yeah, I think it's a couple – it's a few hundred pages. Um, yeah, and so you can go through and it walks you through the whole process with screenshots. So uh, you can literally copy Ben's actions you know, shot for shot and rebuild everything in the book. Uh, I thought it was a really good use for a visual quick start guide. And then you did this really fantastic screencast series, uh, Mac Automation Made Simple. We're going to link this in the show notes as well, where you do screencasts showing people from step one, and there's some something like 30 of these screencasts, uh, going through, st- walking you through each step of the process of building these, both Automator and getting into some rudimentary Apple script, yep. which is really good stuff. Yeah, and those are all uh, available either you know through my website or Peach Pit or even in iTunes. They're you know video podcasts. Um, and uh, just on the topic of the of the automator book too, um, I think a lot of the example workflows that are in the book are available for people to download. And there are some more advanced chapters that wouldn't fit in the book that are available online. Um, I didn't know that. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. Oh, I'm I, gonna go check that out. Yeah, I, I I had written all these chapters and then and then we didn't have the space in the book to fit a few of them, so I had to move them online. Um, the lost chapters. Exactly. Visual Quick Start Guide. Um, and one thing too, I just want to mention. Um, 
the the visual quick start guide, uh, the last edition of that was for Snow Leopard, and um, we decided to not do a Lion release because it not enough stuff changed in Lion with Automator to warrant a new book. So, um, but I did recently help uh, David Pogue with his uh, missing manual series on Lion, and uh, the automation. I helped update the automation chapter on that, which has uh, covers Automator, AppleScript, and services too. Great. Right. So we get the podcasts. I think those are really a great way to learn this stuff. Yep. And Ben, do you want to talk a little bit about your day job? Because if people have custom solutions that they need built and that are over their head and they need them built for them, maybe you could help them out with that as well. Yeah. I mean, um, the majority of what I do is custom uh, workflow and automation improvements for people. So um, a lot of times people come to me and, and they either want a script or workflow to do something or, um, you know, they just want to improve their productivity. And so I will help them uh, kind of come up with ways to be more productive or um, develop solutions for them to do things, you know, like build catalogs or build, uh, you know, charts and, and graphs and all kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 what I do as my full time job. <laughs> so. Yeah, so if you want to get the benefit of this stuff but don't want to, to learn how to do it, just look up Ben. It's automatedworkflows.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll take care of it for you. Yeah, and also I just want to mention, like, I always try to give advice to people if they if they ask for it. So, you know, people who, who have questions about AppleScript and Automator, uh, they're not quite sure what, whether they need a custom solution or they can do it on their own or they're just stuck with something um, – you know, feel free to email me. I'm, I'm always happy to try to give advice. Uh, and if I'm busy, you know, it might just take me a day or two to get back to you, but I, I always respond to everybody. So, you know, uh, Mac people are awesome. Yep. <laughs> In fact, I, you don't know that you probably don't remember like three or four years ago, I needed help with an automator script and I wrote you and you wrote me back and, and set me straight. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very thorough response. I mean, it really helped me. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, the, uh, Another thing for for Apple Script, I have bought probably five or six Apple Script books over the years. The one that really worked for me, and I'd like to get your adv- advice on this as well, though. Uh, Sal Segoyan made the Automator One Two Three book that came out, I guess, a year or two ago. Apple Script One Two Three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apple. I'm sorry. Apple Script One Two Three. I thought that was a really good book, and uh, that's a. I think that's a great entry point for Apple Script if you want to learn that. Yeah, Sal's book. So first of all, for people who don't know, Sal works at Apple and is like the Apple script guy at Apple. So he wrote the book on Apple script and I would, I can't think of anybody better to, to talk about Apple script and, and share with you how to use it than Sal. So um, yeah, I recommend his book to everybody and it's just a great book. And there are a lot of Apple script books out there on the market. So um, choosing one is difficult, but I, I always recommend Sal's um, it's just, a, it's a good place to get started. And he had, he had one script in there that, would will go into an application folder, go into the system resources, yank out a copy of the icon, and save it somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically with a little modification. And when I wrote uh, Mac at work, I needed for for the artwork in the book the actual icon file for each app I talked about. Mm-hmm. And writing that Apple script and then embedding it in a service, man, I was like, I thought I was like something else. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yeah. it's not that hard, really. Even if you just copy the work that guys like Ben and Sal do, you're going to learn a ton. And before you know it, you'll be writing your own, your own scripting. Yeah. And actually um, my website has a tips section where I post links uh, uh, 
to articles or, or just articles themselves that I've written on AppleScript and Automator and, and productivity and things like that. Um, and a lot of my articles have example code that you can just copy and paste into, you know, your AppleScript editor and just run it. So, um, you know, I've written things on, on automating some of the Office applications and the Adobe applications and things like that. And if you just want to do some simple stuff, um, you know, it's a good way to get started. Just copy some of the code from these things um, and, you know, start with that. And if you really want to go nuts, and I haven't got there yet, but uh, now with these newer versions of Mac OS X, the Apple script incorporate, and I'm once again, I'm probably screwing this up, but it incorporates into uh, Xcode to a certain degree that you can use the Xcode uh, uh, user interface tools, and you can make a really sophisticated looking app based on Apple script. Yes. Um, Xcode includes uh, a way to build a Cocoa Apple script application, which uh, by that, I mean an application that looks and feels like any other Mac application. It's got an interface with buttons and checkboxes and drop-down menus and all kinds of stuff. And you can have AppleScript kind of on the back end that, uh, that processes. So I actually develop a lot of my applications this way for clients um, because a client – you know, to just give them a script that they, they double click it and it does something and they don't know what it's doing till it's done. A lot of times that's just, it's not very user friendly. So I'll build an Apple script that, that has an interface and it has uh, fields that they can type information into like a file name or, or whatever. They can choose things to process and output folders. And then, um, and then it might display a progress bar while it's processing with status updates and things like that. So it's a much more user friendly application and, um, you know, it's all Apple script on the back end, but I will say it's a lot more complicated when you start getting into Xcode, uh, to use Apple script, but yeah. And I don't really want to encourage you to start there, but I mean, right. just to give you an idea of where you could go with this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it opens up a lot of possibilities and, and you can with through Xcode, you can tie into pretty much almost anything in the OS, uh, anything that you, anything that you could build a, a, a cocoa application to do you could tie into potentially with Apple script using the current Xcode. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited about exploring that if I ever get some time. Yeah. Yep. But it, 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 it is, it, it is way more advanced. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, anyway, so to the listeners, uh, those of you who are new to automator, I hope this has inspired you to go out and try it or if nothing else, go and copy the stuff that Ben has already made and uh, and take advantage of it. Uh, but I think you're going to find, if you spend a little time in Automator, that you're going to be building your own Automator scripts, and you're going to find things in your life that you're doing more than once that you wish you could automate and find this is the solution for you. Well, thank you, Ben. I have definitely learned a lot about automation. I, I hope our listeners have as well. Yep. And uh, I hope they go explore. Yeah, yeah. And thank, thank and, you and very much. But while we got you on, you're going to be speaking at Macworld this year, right? Yeah, I'm actually doing um, five presentations um, at, at the Mac IT. Yeah, I know <laughs> at the Mac yeah. IT conference and Macworld, um, Macworld iWorld. Um, I'm doing uh, a number. I'm doing a full day workshop on uh, Mac OS X automation, which will be AppleScript Automator and services. Um, and then I'm doing um, some other sessions on on user interface automation and just general uh, scripts and productivity tips. Um, and then also one on how to be uh, more productive in email. So that's a little bit uh, different than the AppleScript Automator stuff, but but it's still well, an area. I'm looking forward to seeing you up in San Francisco later this month. Yeah, me too. And, uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, and thank you both for having me. 
All right. You can find information about everything we talked about in this episode, along with links uh, to lots of other resources over at our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com or in the show notes over at 5x5.tv slash MPU. And you can find Ben over at automatedworkflows.com. If you want to send us feedback, you can email us, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, it's at MacPowerUsers. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I am at Max Sparky. And Ben, are you on Twitter? Uh, yes, it's AppleScriptGuru. Right. I like Very that. Very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we also have blogs. You can go check it out. Um, the Max Sparky blog, I've been really happy with it lately. We've been uh, growing the listener, uh, I guess the readership at this point. Uh, I recommend going and check it out. It's uh, maxsparky.com. And Katie's yeah. blog is at katiefloyd.me. That's right. Uh, and we love iTunes comments. So if you found this show or any of our other shows helpful or useful or you like them, uh, go drop us a comment in iTunes, and that helps us gain more exposure and gain more listeners. I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Omni Group and 1Password. And uh, next show is going to be real interesting. We're having uh, a, get- a special guest in to talk about using the iPad exclusively on the road. Well, thank you, Ben, uh, for joining us, and we will see you all next time. Thank you again.